Welcome to the Stronger Than Your Boyfriend podcast, a podcast for anyone who's into fitness, especially if you're doing a ton of TikTok ad videos every week. This one's for you. We are Heather and Katie, owners of Bar Path Fitness, and we're here to help you sift through the toxic information that permeates the fitness industry. Today, we are talking about, are you going through your core training all wrong? So we're going to talk about core training today. And the first thing we want to break down is core musculature, right? Um, everyone wants to work their core. So we're going to talk about everyone what... Everyone beach abs. Yes, everyone wants beach abs. So we're going to talk about what the core musculature um, looks like, um, what makes up the core, and then how to work it effectively. Um, and what we kind of see a lot when we're working with clients um, when they want to work their core. Um, so first and foremost, just so you know what we're talking about. When we're talking about the core, um, we're talking about not just your ab muscles. A lot of people think of the rectus abdominis, which is like the the six-pack abs muscle, um, the one that you uh, work with flexion. Um, so that's your, your crunches, et cetera. Um, so spinal flexion works that one. Um, we're also talking about your transverse abdominus, which kind of wraps around you. And that's kind of a deeper core muscle. Um, you work that with planks, et cetera. We're also talking about internal and external obliques, um, rotation, as well as the erector spinae group. Um, there's a bunch of muscles in your, in your back and your lower back with, um, spinal, um, what am I trying? Spinal extension. Um, Mm -hmm. and that group of muscles does that. So that's what you think of when you think of the core, but I also, we also want to make sure that people are thinking of the other muscles that work the core. And that is you have pelvic floor muscles, you have your diaphragm, your glutes are involved and your hip flexors. All of these muscles work together during movement. So none of them can really be ignored when you're thinking about core training. So I actually want to chime in. I really, all of the, the muscles of the core that Heather just broke down, I really don't think people are actually thinking of that when they do think about the core. Like, all right, I'm training my uh, erector spinae now. I'm training my, uh, you know, my abdominals. I'm training my transverse abdominals. And I think literally this is the problem with core training. I think people relate their core training to just having a six pack. Right. And I think that's what people are thinking about and what we want to make sure or you know, what you want to make sure you're doing as far as your core training is thinking of it as far as function over aesthetics. Right. Because, again, like we always preach, like if you have a better function in any you know muscle group or, uh, you know, joint, tendon, ligament, whatever, you're going to have better aesthetics. Um, but yes. So like it's so funny because some people or for some reason, you know, we think about core workouts, people default to like doing a million reps. Um, and I don't understand why that is a thing. Um, uh, it's fun. We, okay. So one of our clients, he gives us, um, he works for PR and fitness or something like that. Um, shout out David. So he gives us, um, you know, sometimes he, he has us contribute to articles. Um, and he, you know, some of them is like, uh, okay, I'm going to ask you questions about this workout. So recently there was a, an ab workout and it was like some TikTok fad, I think. And it was like so stupid. It was like 50 reps for each movement. And there was like at least 10 different core movements. You do not need that many. It's un- I like, I don't understand why people think, okay, we have to, you know, continue to just feel the burn and do a thousand reps of each movement. Like, why would your, why would you want to train your core different than any other muscle group? So leading into you need to train your core like any other muscle group through a full range of motion through a full range of motion with some sort of periodization or progressive overload so like also you know in context you're probably not going to do like a one rep max on a core movement right but you can still vary your rep ranges and create more time under tension in your programming to get more out of them so 
Yeah. So I'm not really sure what happened that everyone was just like, <laughs> I need to do six hour workouts a week. Yeah. They need to consist of 10 movements with 35 reps each, you know, and I've got to feel the burn and most of it's going to be crunches, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know where that stemmed from. Um, I know that sometimes, you know, in like fitness classes, they're ha they'll have like an abs and asses class or like a <laughs> butts and guts. Everyone I don't know. Oh, terrible names. Yeah. Butts and guts, you abs know. and asses. And, you know, people literally Whiny. go into these classes to like nonstop crunch for like 30 minutes and just feel the burn. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, or, you know, maybe it's a people have like this uh, misconception about spot reduction. Um, so people like think, oh, I want abs. I want to lose fat in my belly. So I have to do these ab workouts, which is incorrect, which we're yeah. going to go over. But and they don't like think of, they don't relate that same concept to any other muscle group. They just think it happens yeah. to exist for the core right, muscles like, for why, some reason. Why? We yeah. don't know. We don't know. Um, or, you know, the sore soreness later, people get obsessed with having like a like oh, sore God. abs. Yeah. Um, and go back and listen to I don't remember which episode it is, 15, 16, something. Um, we talk about how soreness is not a good indicator of a workout. Um, I'll put that one in the show notes too. But um, yeah, we I just don't know what happened and why why this happens. Um, the worst is when, you know, fitness people <laughs> are trainers are or influencers, whatever, post, you know, do these four moves for a flat belly or whatnot. Um, we know that spot reduction does not exist okay so you can build muscle on a certain part of your body but when you burn fat it's going to happen all over your body with a focus maybe according to your genetics like you can't change it there's no way to target fat loss in one area uh, that's called spot reduction and it, it doesn't work yeah let's just be clear in order to visibly see your abs you have to be you have to you have to burn body fat and that mostly comes down to your nutrition okay and your strength training in general and you know training your core correctly is a part of that but most of it's going to come down to nutrition and being in a caloric deficit but obviously like you know there's a lot more that goes into it we have other episodes on that but anyway so yeah kind of let's you know relating to what heather just said like for i don't know why it's just like all right let's do 50 reps of all these movements um and 20 different exercises and we're going to train our core seven days a week. Like, I just don't get it. So let's talk about how to actually train the core. <laughs> so like I said earlier, you want to train the movements that you're choosing through a full range of motion and hit the different muscles in your core. Um, like Heather alluded to in the beginning. Um, so like, um, you know, your transverse abdominus, the abdominals, the obliques, the erectors. Okay. So that's what we're going to be talking about as far as, um, you know, what I'm going to break down, like what an actual workout for your core could look like. So for your abdominals, hanging knee raises. So this is basically where you're just grabbing a bar, make sure your thumb is fully around the bar. You're lifting your knees up to your chest, but there's a little bit more that goes into it. Okay. So you want to make sure that you're maintaining a, or you have a posterior pelvic tilt as you're lifting the knees up. And that is basically the way I like to cue it is just think, tuck your pelvis under, pull your belly button up towards your nose. Because if you're just lifting your knees up, you're going to be mostly training your hip flexors, which is fine. There's a time and place for training your hip flexors, but obviously we're we're training the hanging knee raises to actually work the abdominal mus muscles. So you want to make sure that you have that posterior pelvic tilt as you're lifting the knees up to really train um, the abdominals through a full range of motion, right? Yes. And bonus, um, you'll notice when Katie talked about hanging knee raises, she wasn't, she didn't go right to the Roman chair where you like put your, you've probably seen these in the gym. It's like a chair with a back pad and like arms. Yeah. And you like put your, <laughs> yeah, you grab these little things and you put your forearms yeah, on the pads and then you do knee raises. Like the, the exercise she went to was, was hanging and she said, grab a bar because there's an added grip benefit. There's, there's a lot of Shoulder other mobility, benefits yeah. yeah, to the hanging knee raises, which we particularly like a lot better. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's more, 
you know, quote unquote functional um, versus sitting on a machine in a fixed kind of track, right? So everyone's body's different. Um, okay. So for your transverse abdominis, so these are like the deeper, you know, this core muscles, right? So super scientific way of explaining that. But, um, so a basic plank is a great way to train these, um, in the same, you know, the same concept applies as far as what your pelvis is doing in this position. A lot of, I see so many people do planks wrong. Like, you know, people come to me like, I can hold a plank for like three minutes. And I'm like, all right, no, you can't because I bet you're not doing it correctly. So except for that woman that just like broke a world record oh, for the plank. Well, Her yeah, plank she's a badass. Legit. She's she a badass. So good. I'm t- yeah, for sure. <laughs> she's obviously an outlier and a badass. Um, but yeah. Okay. So you want to make sure you have that posterior pelvic tilt. So when you're resting on your forearms, right in that hollow body position, you're again, tucking that pelvis under and it, when doing this, you'll um, be also be able to activate your glutes and kind of squeeze your glutes, which will help maintain that position. But we want to do this because we want to make sure most of the, t- the tension is in the core versus the lower back, the hip flexors. And, you know, I've seen people kind of just like go into the plank how they would normally stand. And if you do that, you're, you're kind of just training that, you know, that postural position that you normally have anyways, versus like, we want to create that tension in the core as much as humanly possible. And I guarantee if you have been doing a plank and just kind of like been going through the motions with it and you, you know, apply what I'm talking about here, I bet it'll be a very, very, uh, big struggle to do like 60 seconds. And I see that all the time. Some people, they have to drop back down to like 20 to 30 seconds because there's so much tension in their core that they never felt before doing a plank. So, um, okay. On to oblique. So these are, you know, obviously the side part of your core. Um, super scientific, so scientific, super scientific explanation. <laughs> Heather's the, she's like, she likes to explain the sciencey <laughs> stuff. So you can, uh, wait for her to do that. But anyways, um, Okay, so cable wood chops are a really good one or band wood chops or um, oblique cable twists. Um, But let's uh, explain the wood chop just for, um, you know, as far as this workout example, um, the purpose uh, of that. So what I like to do is I like to go from high to low. So you're setting up on a cable or you have a band um, attached to like a a higher, the higher end of your rack or something. Um, The key for this one is that your hips are staying kind of squared and your, your feet are facing forward and your arms stay straight. A lot of people mess this one up and as they start to rotate, um, you know, down from the top of their shoulder to the, to the bottom of that, the opposite hip, they start to bend the arm. So it kind of becomes like a mix of a core slash arm workout when we really want to make sure we're targeting the oblique. So we're rotating with the core as you're bringing that cable or band downward, um, you know, on the side of that hip. Um, so Heather, did I explain that? Like, that was right? beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like I, I don't know. It was all over the place. I think, but. I think the one thing that I like to think about when I think about obliques is yeah. think of it like, um, so you have internal and external and you can kind of think of it like a giant X on the side of yeah. your body. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't just run side to side. So like those, you know, that weird torso rotation machine. Oh, Have you ever yeah. seen one of those? Those <laughs> yes. are so Those are so stupid. Funny. And people those love are so those. Dumb. People love, people, so, I honestly yeah. think it's like an adult playground for yeah. people. They're just people like. love those things. Yeah. So those are funny. Um, But the thing that that doesn't do a lot of is like flexion and extension as you're rotating. I think the way, if you think about, if you can like picture an X on the side of your body and the way your obliques run, um, if you want to get the most bang for your buck and the most efficiency out of them, you're going to want to do a little bit of flexion and extension with your rotation, which is yeah. why things like wood choppers make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the bottom or towards the bottom, of the the rep in the wood shop you actually kind of want to 
flex your uh, sp spine forward a little bit so you can actually get that flexion. And then as you come up, you're going to naturally go back into extension. So you're getting kind of, you know, all of those, the flexion, extension and rotation while you're doing these, which is, you know, going to be the most bang for your buck when it comes to training your obliques. Um, okay. And then lastly, the erectors, which is, you know, the muscles in your lower back, um, really important to, you know, for stabilization, really important to have a, like a strong deadlift and all your other compound lifts. So um, it's not bad to train these. I think some people still get kind of scared when they directly train the lower back just because, you know, I know a lot of people suffer with low back pain. So it's like, why would I train it and make it hurt more? But it's important to build the strength there. But um, obviously, if you're having pain, like reach out to someone to help fix that. But anyways, okay, so back extension, this is just a basic, um, you know, one of the, 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 the easiest exercises you can do for the erectors. A lot of gyms will have that back extension machine. It's kind of like set up at an angle and you rest your feet in the bottom part and then your your quads are kind of resting on the pad and then you just kind of dip your torso down, um, you know, kind of flex the spine a little bit and then you uh, just basically lift your torso back up and then you do that again. So um, there are, you can do a different variation. If you have a GHD machine, a machine, uh, yeah, uh, right? GHD, is that the right? Yeah, some people call it a glute ham raise. Glute ham raise. Some people call it a glute ham developer. Okay, GHD. yeah. Either yeah. one. Yeah, one of those, same thing. Um, you can, you'll just be more, so your body's going to be flatter. So you're laying almost like, you're starting off almost like in a plank position, um, holding, you know, as you're, feet are kind of hooked into it and then you're it's basically just a different torso angle i feel um like this one with on the glute ham developer you're gonna work your glutes a little bit more here too um i think um that you can uh, uh, manipulate what your shoulders are doing i think to work your glutes a little bit more but you're still going to be working your lower back either way so i know that there's a really popular way to do this like you purposely round your shoulders forward um so you can really squeeze your glutes at the top more but if you're really trying to maximize um the hitting the extent uh, the erectors i would maybe not worry about that right away and just you know focus on kind of squeezing the lower back to be honest with you so yeah, yeah. what are your thoughts on that yeah. There, yeah um yeah so well the glute ham developer i love it because there's yeah, multiple exercises good. you can do on it obviously uh back extension is one of them but you can also do like an actual um what do you call it? Glute, glute ham, ham raise. raise. Yeah. 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 Where you're, you're really, your quads are resting on the pads yeah. and you bend the knee. So your spine doesn't like flex or extend at all. Really. It yeah. just holds oh, and you're yeah. just using your hamstrings. That's my favorite way to use it. But that's, I digress. Um, I did want to mention one thing when you're thinking about training your back, um, when people use the back extension machine, I see a lot of people go into hyperextension and you don't necessarily need to do that. A lot of times, um, you, you could, it won't like kill you, but, um, you can think of back extension as back extension is actually just, um, if you think about your spine, right? Neutral spine, you have a curve in it. So full back extension is just kind of like a straight back almost. So you're just raising it up to the height of your glutes and making it not really neutral anymore and getting rid of that curve. And then anything above that is called hyperextension. So if you do have an injury, um, I know sometimes doctors will say, you know, just avoid hyperextension. Sometimes you can still do extension exercises. You just may not want to go into that like deeper hyperextension. So that's just kind of a note. Yeah, no, that's a really good, good note. And I feel like, um, if you just one last note on like the back extensions and training your lower back, if you are like one of the more competitive people, this is really important for your training, especially like if you're a strength athlete. Um, I know like powerlifters, um, Olympic lifters, they really utilize the back extension a lot just because, I mean, you're lifting heavy loads and we're going to get into like bracing your core and all that, but it's really important to keep that lower back strong. Um, 
Yeah. So totally. The other um, core exercise that we didn't talk about um, is actually that I like is actually anti-rotation. Yes. So anti-rotation movements, they build a ton of stability and strength in the core. And it's basically training you to handle torque. So if you got like bumped or fell or twisted or hit and your spine like jerked or twisted a certain way, you'd have strong enough musculature to handle that. And so with anti-rotation, it, it is exactly what it sounds like. So you're loading a rotational movement and then you're resisting the rotation. So I think Katie's better explaining exercises than me because she works with people every day. So I'm going to have her explain what a palaf press is. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, just kind of like a note on that, like that is why, or one of the main reasons why, like you'll hear about someone like, you know, they're, they were moving and they were lifting their couch or something and they, they threw out their back because they don't have that anti-rotation core strength. And well, obviously they probably don't have a lot of, they, you know, they might be overdoing it, whatever in the context of their life, but it's someone who, if they're not resistance training, that's a big part of why, like, you know, you'll hear about someone, they bend down, they tie their shoes and they just like move wrong and they threw out their back. So, um, it's obviously very important. Okay. So, uh, let's talk about two exercises that, um, that will train this. So the payoff press, I like to do this, um, with a band or, um, you can use a cable too. Um, either way, whatever you have access to, um, both are great. So this one, you're standing kind of sideways. Um, you know, your your side is facing the rack or the cable machine. Um, your hips are squared, your shoulders are squared, and you're gonna set the ca- the cable or the band kind of like um, you know, I would say like halfway in the or in the middle of the the cable or rack or whatever it's attached to, like chest height. Yeah, about chest height. So yeah, I guess if you're an average um, height person, chest height or uh, like halfway down that cable machine is probably the correct height. But yeah, for whatever, you know, however tall you are around chest height is good. And you're going to start with either the band or the cable, you're going to hold it with two hands, you're going to start with it against your chest, and then you're just going to press it forward, you should feel like the you know, kind of wobbly as you do this, like the band or the cable is kind of, um, you know, you have to resist it. Um, resist the the urge to kind of like let it drop uh, back to your to your torso right and then what I like to make clients do is hold um, each rep for a number of seconds with their arms extended in front of them because now you're really resisting that um, you know that pull so it could look like maybe like five reps and each rep you're holding for five seconds so you're really trying to squeeze the core stabilize um, you know with the hips and the glutes as well so that is one of my favorite ones another one is the the plank kettlebell drag so with this one, I think you can do a couple different ways. You can be in a full plank position. Um, you uh, want to be on your uh, on your hands for this one because you're going to have to be using it. Um, so you're going to start with a plank or a kettlebell on whatever side of your torso. So it needs to be outside of the body. And then what you want to do is grab it. So let's say it's on your left side of the body. You're going to grab it with your right arm and drag it through. And the key for this, what I want you to think about when you're doing this, is to try to resist the urge to rotate too much i mean there's going to be probably yeah rotate your hips there's going to be a little bit at first but try to minimize that as much as possible um because that's where you're really getting that anti-rotation um benefit um you can also do this in kind of like a if you've ever done a bear crawl you can do it in that position i don't what is that is that like a quadruped like bear position or something yeah quadruped quadruped i like bear position better though yeah bear position whatever (laughs) um so you can do it that way too um but yeah so essentially you're just going to go like back and forth dragging it to either side and just trying to minimize that hip shift um as much as possible so yeah okay i think this takes us into the topic of breathing um so with breathing um remember i mentioned earlier the diaphragm as being part of your core musculature the diaphragm is a muscle 
and you do need to train it. And breathing is probably the most important part of lifting, especially with heavier loads. Um, So when we think about bracing our core for a lift, the breathing portion needs to come with it. If you typically are someone who shallow breathes through your chest, um, you're going to have a harder time bracing your core while also breathing through movement if it's needed. Um, So that's the main reason. Well, one of the big reasons we want a diaphragmatic breath, it's deeper. Um, You're also going to be able to brace and breathe at the same time. Whereas if you get a shallow chest breath, it's it's, it's very hard to do. Um, So there are some movements where you actually use the breathing and the bracing combined. So any like heavier movement that you do, overhead press, squat, deadlift, whatever, you're going to most likely practice some form of holding your breath a little bit during the lift. And this is to increase intra-abdominal pressure. So we do have a blog on this. It's called Breathing and Bracing. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. It's one of our highest ranking blogs. It is. is. It's from 2016. Cool. <laughs> but a lot of people read it. Um, and I think there's even a, like a little walkthrough about how to test. But I'm going to talk about that too. Um, yeah. But when, I, when you think about intra-abdominal pressure and what I'm talking about here, I want you to think about a soda can. Okay. Um, which some people call it pop, but I call it soda. So pop. If, you, if you're from Chicago, it's pop. <laughs> if you have a soda can and it's sitting on the floor and it's empty, you can step on it and smash it, right? Easy. But if that same soda can was sitting on the floor and it's full, unopened, it's got liquid in it, you can literally stand on it and balance without busting it. You might fall, but it won't, it won't crush, right? Because of all the pressure inside the can. So that's what breathing correctly can do for your spine and your core when you're lifting. So that's kind of one way to think about breathing in through a diaphragmatic breath, holding it, bracing the core as you move, and then exhaling as you're coming out of the movement. Um, So I do suggest reading the blog on this because it goes into it a little deeper. But one of the ways to test if you're like, I have no idea if I'm diaphragmatic breathing or not, is um, to lie on the floor, And you can put your one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly and just take a couple deep breaths and see which one moves. And you really want to train yourself so that naturally most times that you're breathing, if not all the time, the one on your belly is the one moving, at least moving first, right? The chest can move afterward or, but you want the belly to be, it's the deepest part of the breath. So that's your diaphragm working. That's your diaphragmatic breath. And if you have been in choir, like me, show choir, this comes naturally because you learn it when you sing. So yeah. um, A good way to think about this is like, you want to do your breathing Uh, the best way to keep your spine stable when you're doing these heavy lifts, because, you know, you're not going to be worrying about diaphragmatic breathing when you're doing dumbbell curls, right? It's more about like we're doing squats, we're doing deadlifts, we're doing overhead presses, like those main heavy compound lifts, right? So what is going to be the best way to, to help you stabilize your spine? And this is, this is obviously the way to do it. And if you think about that in relation to how you're breathing, you'll probably start to kind of just naturally do that over time. So the, the test that Heather described, like laying on the floor, that is um, a really good way to teach someone. Um, so if I have someone who's kind of clueless as far as like training, um, that sounds mean. If they like really aren't connected or aware of like how they're breathing, I'll, that's what I'll have them do. And I'll have them, tr- you know, do a few breaths until they can really um, connect to those those muscles and try to actually like push their belly out first as they inhale. Um, th- The next best way that I find that kind of helps clients over time as far as like get the breathing down and learn how to actually brace their core is just, you know, you're doing these heavy compound movements, you're going to end up holding your breath. And some people they kind of like, um, like freak out when they do it. So what I have people do at first, so I don't overwhelm them with, you know, all these cues and like, do this with your belly and try to do this. I'm just like, I just tell them, okay, 
We're going to be doing, it's going to be a, a heavier movement. It's more compound movement. I, all I want you to think about is exhaling on the hardest part because now you're going to, you're going to have that notion in the back of your mind. Okay. I need to stabilize my spine as I'm doing this deadlift, for example. So I'm going to take a breath right before I lift up because lifting up is the hardest part of the deadlift, right? So they're going to exhale as they stand up, right? So they've braced their core beforehand, right? And that's, you know, you see like a, um, a power lifter and they're competing and you know they're doing their one rep max and you'll see them take a huge breath before they go for their attempt right so it's kind of you know the same thing with clients it's just at a you know a lot lower scale i guess you could say so that i find over time people start to connect like how to actually brace their core if they just think okay i'm going to try to exhale on the hardest part of this movement um that way they're they're keeping that all right um, the stabilization of their spine in the back of their head, even if they don't know it or not. But that, uh, you know, those two are, I think, one of the best ways to do it. And then just training the core in general and having them actually breathe through it, which is another issue I see when people train their core. Like, you know, they're holding a plank and they try to like hold their breath for <laughs> for 60 seconds or whatever. But if we can teach them, okay, try to breathe in, breathe out while, you know, keeping some tension in your core, it usually translates to to being able to brace their core better over time so just going through them not going through the motions going through these movements and um specifically core you know directed movements and um keeping the breathing in the back of their mind like it's kind of with any other movement um if you're kind of just going through the motions you're not going to get the most out of it so if you're actually breathing into these movements you're gonna um you're gonna obviously get way more benefits so yeah, I will say the one thing that I see some people get wrong when they first start breathing and bracing and they like pick up the intra-abdominal pressure thing, right? Like, and this, I think this really happens in powerlifting more than anything. Yeah. Or like, okay, we're going to take a big, deep diaphragmatic breath. Maybe you have a belt on, um, which I think we talk about in the blog as well, but you can you can breathe into a belt to increase your intra-abdominal pressure. That's what belts are for. They're not just for wearing around the gym as a fashion statement. Um, yes. but, don't rely on them as a crutch. Yes, obviously. yes. Don't rely on them as a crutch. Um, but I think what a lot of people get wrong when they first learn this is they try to bear down really hard. Um, and I am guilty of this when I first started powerlifting. What I does used that to mean? Think, like bear down? So, Can okay. you explain that? Do you know how you have pelvic floor muscles and you have your diaphragm? So you can, um, you want to engage your pelvic floor muscles and your core muscles all together. Um, everything kind of happens from the pelvic floor up. If you really think about bracing your core deeply, like when you're sitting on a chair, things like that. Um, but what we tend to do when we get really like into a lift and we're like, oh, okay, let's go is we take that big, big breath and then we brace. And then some people, I have done this before as well, will it's a deep feeling of bearing down. It's almost bracing too hard. And it's almost like, I don't know, you're going to give yourself a hernia or something, right? It's some like, pee yeah, I, well, I, I think <laughs> like this really is heavy. something we need to ask um, one of our friends Christina, about. Yes. Yeah. But um, I think that that bearing down thing is really popular for beginning powerlifters because they think, okay, everything else is max. Now this, this bracing has to be max. And so if I bear down and out really hard, it, you know, it'll help. But what we need to remember is that breathing is a natural thing that our body does and we know how yeah. to do it. We need to trust it. Yes. You can take a deep breath and you can get a really solid brace while remaining calm and not like blowing out like your intestines or something. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually a really good point because you're like, I feel like there are different levels as to how much you want to brace your core. Like, 
like if you're going if you're that power lifter you're on the platform and you're going for a one rep max you want to brace hard as fuck right but if i'm teaching my you know one of my elderly clients how to do this and we're doing like eight reps of like a goblet squat or something and she's trying to bear down and brace as hard as possible like okay what are we doing here like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the whole workout is just going to be her trying to breathe so i feel like there's like you know obviously different movements like you know your compound lifts where you definitely want to keep that in mind more and maybe do it a little bit more than normal but it doesn't need to be like all out especially if you're you know it depends on how heavy you're going you know in your your mesocycle or whatever but yeah it's just something to to be aware like your body again like heather said it you're gonna naturally breathe so don't force something that's not like you know kind of unnatural like think about it you know if you let's say like powerlifting like it was a thing in the real world and you had to like you know lift a one rep max here and there like you would totally try to brace your core as hard as possible naturally because you're like i really i want to protect my spine i want to protect you know all the joints and ligaments that i'm going to be using to lift this thing but you know it just happens to be in competition so um but if you watch the best power lifters olympic lifters strong men in the world yeah you'll notice something about them a lot of them are calm and they um before they lift like it's not this big huge thing right it's like it's it's a breath and then it's a brace and it's it's more subtle than we think yeah and i think that's a mistake that people make like they think that i have to to, even i'm talking even if you are lifting 500 plus pounds like yes you have to brace your core and you have to brace it well but there's a difference between um bracing well and efficiently and like bracing hard like overexerting yes. yourself yes so. i think there's a huge difference i think it's like a it's an art right it's yeah. an art to yeah. figure that out and you will it figure that time. out over time but you know just consistently resistance training you'll figure that out and if, if you keep that in the back of your mind when you're doing these movements like it's not something that needs to be super um you know technical and you have to practice it all the time but um you will get better at them um which kind of brings me to the point like you know, training these compound movements is a very solid stimulus for the core. Um, you know, just with the breathing and bracing and it's, you know, you're obviously your trunk is stabilizing your whole body while you're doing these, these movements. Right. Um, but you still want some direct work. So I want to go back and just kind of address, um, like, you know, it's, we are kind of like shitting on these workouts where it's like, you know, seven, seven days of ab workouts and they're all 50 reps. Like, well, how, you know, how often should you do it? You know, it, well, kind of like any other muscle group. So, um, I think the standard for, as far as sets, uh, for muscle group per week is like, I think it's 10 to 12. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think that's kind of, I think you can go as high as 30 high as 30. Oh, I think don't, okay. don't quote me on I that th- either. Well, but I, I think that's yeah. like bodybuilders, like, oh, you know, right. very intense stuff. Right. But yes. Yeah. 10 is 10, 10 to 15, like, I think is like a really good range for most people. Yeah. I'm talking about like our average person here. Like if you want like a solid, like stimulus, um, yeah. without like overdoing, like obviously bodybuilders are going to go in the high, uh, end of everything as far as volume but you know 10 to 12 sets you know i would say probably best case is to split your core training you know over the course of you know your if you're doing three workouts a week you can do like a you know a a couple core movements for each of those workouts or um i just think that's the best bet because you're going to be fresh um in going into to each of these movements um if you only do a couple each workout but obviously you can change it up but you know, whatever rep range that you're working in, as far as your other movements, you should, you know, do that as well for your core. So like, 
Maybe you're working in a six to eight rep range. Well, yeah, you could do hanging leg raises for six to eight reps. If you need to grab some weight, you can, you know, hold the dumbbell between your feet and make it a little bit harder, or you can just add some more time under tension. So control the eccentric. You know, I said earlier, like you're probably not going to ever do like a one rep max on, you know, core movements, but you know, you can still train in those lower rep ranges. You can still train in the higher rep ranges, um, but you don't need to do the the 50 reps. That's just an endurance workout. It's not a strength training workout. Um, and you know, it's like, again, it's just like any other muscle group, like treat it, treat it like that and try to get the most out of it versus like, all right, we're going to just going to do these movements really fast, which is another thing I see. Like when people do these movements, they're just like, they're buzzing through, like they're crunching so hard and fast. And it's like 50 reps because they just want to feel the burn, like keep it slow and controlled. Like any other movement you're going to do, um, you know, like make sure there's some periodization in there. Um, and if you, you know, try to hit all the, the areas of the core that we talked about earlier, you're going to be in a good spot. You don't need to train your core every single fucking day. You guys, I feel like people are like fitness people are either in like one or you know, one or two boats, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're either in the like, here's my TikTok video of 50 million reps of ab workout, right? Every day. Or they're like, you just need to squat and deadlift. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, there's something in the middle there. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's all of fucking fitness. It's right? everything is somewhere in the middle of what, you know, is out yes. there, like of all the bullshit that's out there because people just want to get likes. They want to gain attention, which I totally get, but it's, Again, like, yes, you are training your core when you're doing squats and deadlifts, but you need to directly work your core as well. And you don't need to it's do it. It's only going to help. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a middle ground. Like, I don't know. People just, just get very, we've talked about this before, dogmatic about specific things. Like, I yeah. think I was in that boat once when I first started yeah. powerlifting. I was probably like, I don't even need core work. I do deadlifts. I brace my core so much. Yeah. But, but, why do but, you have a Southern accent? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, y'all. <laughs> uh, she's from uh, Indiana, you yeah. guys. So yeah, who knows? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, sorry, I like yeah. probably totally took you off track there. But no, it's fine. you're good. Um, well, cool. I feel like we should write a blog on this if we haven't yet. Yeah, we so probably should. We Maybe should. by the time this is out, by the time one this is out, we will link a blog so you can actually... Oh, good. Katie just promised for us. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Well, by the then time that way out, they can actually... There's a blog in the show notes. Well, yeah. Then they can see <laughs> the workout or the movements that we talked about. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. And they can have like a little guide on how to do it. So perfect. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. As usual, please remember to rate and review and subscribe. Um, please join our facebook group stronger than your boyfriend um to ask questions as we now have some q a podcasts out as well and we will address any of your questions on that podcast and share it with all your favorite fitness friends that go to butts and guts classes yes. every please single do. day please do abs and asses all right see you next week